Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's do it. Before we do, though, there are a couple things we need to point out. First of all, the exits are in front of you and behind you. Um, Remember to put your own safety mask on while staring a child right in the face and, and mocking just saying, it. you will never get this. If you, uh, in the event of an emergency landing in the ocean, mm-hmm. we're fucked. <laughs> There's no, you're going to size up who you want to eat right now. I mean, you should be playing that game in your head all the time whenever you're on anything, like which one you're going to eat. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study <laughs> podcast. I don't know if you could podcast. tell from the jokes that we were just making. Not a Christian Bible study podcast or for children, especially if those children don't have oxygen masks. I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. I don't have an oxygen mask and I'm reading the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. I'm the ex-Christian. I uh, threw my oxygen mask at the stewardess uh, and I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. And tonight we are... Delighted to bring you the wonderfully short book of Jonah. It's true. Jonah, a.k.a. Yonah in Hebrew. <laughs> Big difference, I know. <laughs> Hard to wrap your head around. It actually means dove in yeah. Hebrew. His name means dove son of truth. Oh, Ben Amitai. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's interesting. So his dad's name, Truth, I guess. Well, Emmet is Truth. Okay. So it's like, yeah. If you know anybody named Emmet, they're named Truth. I mean, I don't know anybody named Emmett. Emmett Otter? I've never met him. We've done business, though, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Okay. Uh, are we ready for fast facts? Yes. All right. So we're still in the Minor Prophets. Uh, we took a little break from it last week with an apocryphon, but mm-hmm. we're back in the Minor Prophets now. There's 12 of them, and we're in. Like, we're only at, like, number four or something. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We've got, like, a it's while. Okay. Cool your cool yourself. Uh, because the uh, Protestant Bible is completely out of order for some reason, uh, we are in the northern kingdom of Israel before the Assyrian exile, before the Babylonian exile. Okay, um, but it was probably written after all that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the scholarly notes in my Bible maintain that it was uh, written shortly after it happened, and it's all literally true. Uh, is there anything else we need to know? Of all the stories to go to the bat for, mm-hmm. this is one I'm surprised that they did. Th- nothing can surprise me anymore from these notes. Mm. <laughs> but uh, are we ready to are we ready to jump in? Yes. Are we ready to dive in, so to speak? Uh, are we ready to get 
eaten by a whale, so to speak? I'm not. No. I didn't put on my wetsuit. All right, chapter one. There's this prophet named Jonah, uh-huh. and God tells him. You may go. know him from Second Kings, where he appears briefly. Yeah, possibly the same Jonah. I mean, it's Jonah ben Amitai. Who knows? Okay. I mean, uh, I don't. I'm just, I'm saying, I'm trying to provide some fucking context for these people. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't think anybody remembers it from Second Kings. Wow. Oh, look, nobody remembers it. My thing wasn't good enough. <laughs> Your thing was great, though. Well, I don't think we even mentioned him in our Second Kings episode. <sighs> Let's just do this. So <sighs> We only do it for the money anyways. <laughs> we get like negative $100 for every episode. Um, God tells this prophet Jonah mm-hmm. to go preach to the city of Nineveh because it's getting too wicked. Mm-hmm. So Nineveh, if you remember from the book of Genesis... <laughs> Was founded by Nimrod, a mighty warrior for the Lord. Oh, is that true? I didn't yeah. know. Um, and it was the capital of Assyria at the time. Um, In present day Mosul, yeah. Iraq. Yeah. We looked it up on the map. And, uh, oh, the book of Tobit took place there. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh. So we know that. Um, I remember that book semi-fondly. We know that the sparrows there have extremely toxic shit <laughs> and that the. Fish have magical organs. <laughs> the fish have magical organs sounds like it was mistranslated from fucking moon language. I mean, it was mistranslated from fucking Bible language. Mm-hmm. Um, the etymology of the word Nineveh is uncertain, but the cuneiform way of writing it okay. is a fish in a house. Oh, fish house. And it may share roots with the Aramaic word for fish, which is Nuna. Mm. Um, so it may have originally meant fish place. Yeah, fish house. That's what I said. Yeah. Well, kind of uh, kind of relevant to the story that we're about to get into. Sort of like my hometown of Fishton, PA. I'm from central Pennsylvania, haven't I told you? <laughs> you haven't told me mm. that. Do they have uh, a ton of fish there? Uh, they used to. Not anymore, though. It's Fishton has fallen on hard times. Mm. I just have a lot of towns in central Pennsylvania. Yeah, when the fish manufacturing business got exported to China. That's right. Um, also, Nineveh is devoted to Ishtar. Just so you have a big picture look <laughs> at the, the various deities in play in this story. Okay, okay. All right. So God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Uh-huh. Jonah doesn't want to because it's like 500 miles away. It's too far. And also like Assyria, the country that it's in. Is going to like permanently obliterate the northern kingdom of Israel soon? Mm-hmm. Pretty soon. So it's probably like not going to be that chill of vibes if he's in Nineveh being like, we're better than you. Mm-hmm. Vibe chill at an all-time low. <laughs> yeah. So instead of obeying God and going to Nineveh, mm-hmm. he gets on a ship headed to Tarshish. Basically under the auspice of literally buying a ticket to wherever is farthest away from Nineveh, right? Yeah. And so Tarshish apparently is a historical place, like other sources besides the Bible talk about it, but nobody's really sure where it was. It could be one of two places. It could could be, be one of like four places, mm, actually. I read that it was one of two, either in Turkey, where there's a place called Tarsus, or in Spain, where there's a Tartus or yeah. something like that. There's a couple other uh, possibilities but regardless the point is that so yeah it's like it's across the Mediterranean mm-hmm. um, 
so he's he's in the ship. He pays for passage to Tarshish. And God sends a storm. And the ship is tossing and turning, moaning and groaning, splishing and splashing, mm-hmm. reeling with the feeling. And uh, sailors are freaking out. They're throwing all the cargo off to try to make the ship lighter uh-huh. so it won't sink. And meanwhile, Jonah's asleep below decks. Right. Below deck. I don't know how many below decks. decks. Yeah, it's, yeah, below decks. I don't know if it was double decker ship or what. Yeah, I. From my time in the Merchant Marine, I can tell you. In the Mediterranean? <laughs> no, I wasn't in the Mediterranean. Oh, okay. I was in the Pacific. Huh. But I can tell you that it's below decks. Okay. Uh, I'm a Merchant Marine from central Pennsylvania. <laughs> this is all, you know what? We've been together for over nine years now, and I never knew this about you, but it's making a lot of sense. It's solving a lot of questions I had. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you always say that the car needs washed? Mm-hmm. Or um, why do you constantly say, well, sure is different being on land (laughs) than on the ocean. That's one of my favorite sayings. And it's always struck me as odd that you've never responded to it in any way. Almost as if you've never heard me say it before. (laughs) I just didn't understand. Just like my parents that way. (laughs) You don't know. Like Will Smith's parents. No, they... It's all of our parents. Okay. Jonah's asleep. Level of willful ignorance is astounding. <laughs> and the captain goes down there and wakes him up. And he's like, you need to get up and start praying to your God. We're all up here praying to all our various different gods. Mm-hmm. And we're getting nowhere. And we're hoping that one of our shitty fake gods is going to like help us out here. Mm-hmm. We need everyone... To pitch in. Yeah. All hands on deck because you got to bend down and pray. Yeah. That's literal all hands on deck. Yeah. Then also separately, I guess, like the sailors cast lots to see who's responsible for the calamity. Yeah. That's the, it says cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. That's the exact quote. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, scientific fact-finding technique, mm-hmm. um, just cast lots. And it actually works in this case because Jonah draws the short straw and they're like, okay, who are you? Who sent you? What's your socioeconomic, ethno-religious status? And he's like, <laughs> uh, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, I'm the God of heaven, Fishton, Pennsylvania, who made the sea and the land. And then it says, this terrified them. Mm-hmm. But in a good way. It's the it's the terror you feel of a of a, the true Lord. Well, it's like they really didn't need to be convinced. Like the, <laughs> the scientific method is like not being properly applied here. They're like, hmm, let's cast lots. Who did it? Oh, my God. He said he believes in a God. What? <laughs> it's all falling into place, just as we suspected. And then they say, what have you done? And he's like, I already fucking told you. I'm running away and disobeying the almighty creator who sees all and knows all. It was an airtight plan. I don't know what went wrong. Literally in the Bible, like it's in parentheses and it's like he already told them this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then they're like, "Okay, so what should we do? 
And uh, here's the direct quote. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. (laughs) (laughs) Toss me. (laughs) Toss me, men. I don't know. Are you aware of the Twitter account, uh, Get in the Sea? Uh, No. It's like a very grumpy British man who, like, tells things that he doesn't like to get in the sea. Okay. So it's, it's like, I had to pay extra for guacamole. Get in the sea, avocados. Or whatever. I pretty much get it. Yeah. Um, but like British. So it's like my mate charged me too much for a pint. Get in the sea or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, your accent is flawless. Okay. Let me do my mate <laughs> charged me too much for a pint. Get in the sea. No, that was horrible. Oh, okay. I was talking about the, the previous, the accent. previous one was, yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Your non-regional American accent. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so he, so Jonah gets in the sea. They throw him. Well, they actually, first they try to row back to land. Mm-hmm. They're like, eh, that sounds crazy. Uh, let's just go home. And the Hebrew word is actually like, it's like they, they dug back toward land. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, you are like sort of digging ocean when you row. Yeah. Um, but the sea, like the storm only gets worse. And so then they're just like, okay. Sorry, God, for committing murder, whatever. They throw him into the sea. The storm immediately calms down and they all worship the true Lord. Mm-hmm. Hurrah. They offer sacrifices and like get circumcised, all, presumably. Yeah, presumably they all convert to Judaism and uh, yeah. But, quote, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Mm-hmm. In Hebrew, it says dog gadol. Which literally just means big fish. Mm. Dog is fish. And Dog he, is fish. Yeah. Me is who and who is he and he is she. <laughs> and dog is fish. Yeah. And Seuss is horse. <laughs> Caleb is dog. Okay. Yeah. But that's not interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so he's in there. He's in, he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Mm-hmm. And while he's... In there, he says this very beautiful prayer. Which is actually a prayer of thanksgiving. Yes. It's not a prayer for deliverance. deliverance. It's like, thank you for saving me from drowning. And there's some really good lines in it. It says, uh, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. So on and so forth. It, of course, doesn't mention that the Saving from drowning involves being, you know, like partially digested inside a a whale for three days. Mm-hmm. I've been reading this book, uh, How to Read the Bible by James L. Kugel that a listener recommended. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks a lot about how these random songs that show up in the middle of Bible books are like, usually they don't, they don't like quite make sense in context. Mm-hmm. Some of the details will be different. Like in Exodus... You know, they part the Red Sea, they go through, and then when Pharaoh's army starts to go through, the sea covers them and they all drown. Right. And then immediately afterward, they sing this song of Thanksgiving, but the song mentions, like, their boats. Mm. But in the story that we just heard, they didn't have boats. They were walking on the land when right. they drowned. Um, and so he says, Kugel says, that these songs are often, like, the oldest parts of the Bible hmm. that have been transmitted 
you know, via oral tradition for years and years and years and years. And then like at some later date, people join it together with a similar story and they might, you know, change some details of the story to make it fit better. And then, you know, someone's going to edit it later and someone's going to edit that, blah, blah, blah. So he speculates, this is just his like personal speculation, Mm -hmm. that like the reason that this song doesn't mention the fish is that there probably was no fish in the story originally. There was no fish? Because like it talks about drowning Mm -hmm. and it talks about crying out from the belly of shale. Uh, Of course, he was brought down to the pit and then brought back. But it uses the word belly. Like it's, it's in the belly of the pit. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, okay, like uh, he was about to drown and then he was in a belly. So what? I mean, it had to be a fish. Bingo, bingo. We got a fish show right there. No other kind of belly that you find in the water. We don't know about like marine mammals yet, even though we use dugong skins in our fucking tabernacles. Well, those are like fish. Those are warm blooded fish. Dugongs? Yeah. Sure. Why not? I don't care. They're all going to be dead soon anyways. <laughs> We're all going to be dead soon anyways. <laughs> uh, so yeah, three days, three nights, and then the fish vomits him up on land. Mm-hmm. Oh, another weird thing is that like, so it says like a dog, dog gadol, that's that's just the regular word for fish, dog. But then when he's in the belly of it, it says daga, which is feminine, mm. as if he's like in the womb of a feminine fish. Well, he is sort of birthed again, right? Yeah. And that's like, I think why Christians are really fascinated with this story. Mm -hmm. And I guess it used to be, I mean, I was doing like a little bit of research, not anything like super intense, but that's, that apparently was like a big motif in early Christian art was like Jonah being swallowed by the whale in clothes and then being spat out naked because Mm, he'd been like, interesting. he had like died and been reborn. Or baptized. Yeah. Um, Also on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Directly above the very famous painting of uh, Jesus, if you know it. Uh, the only part of the Sistine Chapel I know is is God and Adam trying to reach out and grab him. <laughs> trying to reach out and grab him like a song by, who is that by? BTO? I don't know. I was trying to run with Adam. Uh, shit. Who's that by? Well, it doesn't matter. They're not in the Sistine Chapel, as far as I know. Should be. But directly My above the, 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 I was about to say the photo. It's not a photo. There are very few surviving photos of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Above the above the painting um, of Jesus is Jonah, and Michelangelo put him there because he was he's a an antecedent of the of the Christ. Yeah, he's also. I mean, it kind of goes back to Noah too, right? Like, because he survives like drowning, mm-hmm. and also his name is Dove. Mm, that's an excellent point. He also a lot of his story parallels the story of Elijah, who ran from Jezebel when he was given a pros- prophecy. Did he? He did. Man, I don't remember that. And then he got so sad that he wanted to die and gave God the reasons why he should die, which happens a little bit later in the Jonah story, but is, is, a, is a parallel. Huh. I only remember him crossing the Jordan and getting taken up in the chariot of fire. I remember oh, him bringing someone back from the dead. more than that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, okay. So he gets, so Jonah spat up on the beach. It's like a birth in reverse. What I saw through the blinds and God's like, okay, so we're going to Nineveh now, huh? Yeah. It's like, (laughs) that was fun, right? Do Do you want to do that again? Do you want to go to Nineveh? (laughs) 
I'll pull this whale over right now. <laughs> Turn this whale around. Um, so he goes, Jonah goes to Nineveh, probably takes, I don't know, a while to get there because mm-hmm. now he's like even farther away. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking about logistics. Anyway, he tells them they're all wicked and God's going to destroy them for their sins in 40 days. Mm-hmm. And Nineveh is bit bigged up as like this huge city three miles across and a mile and a half wide yes it's it's constantly referred to as the the big city mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like like babe like in babe the, yeah right bizarrely all these ninevites these ishtar worshipers <laughs> immediately believe him these fishtonians it literally says like the first it's like on day one mm-hmm. he preached and bam they're immediately day one they all go put on sackcloth. They start repenting. The message makes it all the way up to the king of Nineveh. He commands everyone in the kingdom to fucking fast. He fast. says no one shall eat and everyone will wear sackcloth. And then people are so extreme about it. They put sackcloth on their sheep and they put sackcloth on their goats. You know, I just don't think that like we need to sell sweaters for goats. It just seems like... <laughs> unnecessary to me yeah but what about jerseys for my favorite like local teams hmm. then it's not just about like the comfort of the goats it's also about that's supporting sh- my local yeah, that's squadron about showing loyalty mm-hmm. okay jerseys are fine and like i really know my goat really well and i knew that if he watched professional sports he would support my local squadron as i well. think he would actually support the st louis rams <laughs> so god forgives them yes um the city is saved it was extremely easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from a Christian lens, uh-huh. Jonah is like the most successful prophet ever. Like he's just converting people left and right. I mean, he waltzed into town and converted like the biggest city yeah. anybody knew about. Like foreskins are just piling up. Mm-hmm. Um, the foreskin man comes around every morning and just like. I was going to say he comes around with his wagon. To, oh, and piles pick up, them all pick in. Up all the gets, gets the little uh, pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> he drives him down to the, uh, I don't know where you take him. <laughs> you take him to the foreskin graveyard. Oh, the graveyard? Yeah. There, are there little tiny graves for each one? Yeah. Hmm. Why not? And their date of life, like 760 BC to <laughs> yeah. 740 BC? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they, of course, use BC because they knew what was going to come. Yeah, they knew what mm-hmm. was up. Their owners go down and lay little, lay tiny bouquets of flowers on them. Think wistfully of little, their, little of, condoms. <laughs> think wistfully of the days when they frolic together, all their best memories in the bath. <laughs> other places. <laughs> I can't think of anything else other than the bath. That's all. The bath, etc. Uh, uh. So, so Jonah's huge success. He's fucking like. Foreskin tallies off the charts, and yet, for some reason, mm-hmm. Jonah was Foreskin greatly displeased mm-hmm. and became angry. And uh, he says a, a little prayer to God. The prayer is a very sassy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to read it. Uh, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. It's like, oh, this is why I never invite you to dinner with my friends. <laughs> because you forgive everyone. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it anyways. 
So I am, um, I'm confused about why he's so angry. Mm -hmm. It seems like there are two reasons that I've read. One is that he only wants to save Israelites and he's mad that God used him to save Assyrians. That doesn't seem to be evident in the text, that explanation. Although it does seem logical from a, from a, the point of view of an actual character. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what my, my Bible scholarly notes say. Mm. And um, it's also the view taken by the um, theologically rigorous uh, VeggieTales movie about mm-hmm. Jonah. Mm-hmm. But uh, what what James Kugel said was that uh, Jonah predicted that the city would be destroyed in 40 days, but then they avoided that destruction by repenting. And so now he looks like a fool because it's not actually going to get destroyed. The only proof of a prophecy of a true prophet is his prophecy coming true. And so when God totally cucked him on this prophecy. <laughs> okay. I mean, he kind of did. I'm not. I'm then not. he looks like the real beta, like new male piece of shit. Yeah. He like hasn't taken the red pill or whatever. <laughs> um, But like, that's, that's fucked up. That's like such a terrible definition of like prophets, because that just means like, yeah, we've been over it. It's like defining yourself as like you can't do anything. Yes. You're a pirate who can't do anything, much like in the theologically rigorous VeggieTales Jonah movie. and Or the artistically sound <laughs> VeggieTales movie. The aesthetically bankrupt VeggieTales <laughs> movie. <laughs> but that's like, that's fucked up, right? Because, I mean, what was it? Um, was it Jeremiah or Ezekiel? One of those dudes where it was like, God told him, you know, all these souls are on you. Mm. Like, if you can't convert them, then their souls are like on you. But no, no, their souls were only on him if he didn't give the prophecy correctly, if he didn't preach to them correctly. If he told them his message and they didn't repent and they, they weren't saved, that's not on him. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. It's only on him if he doesn't do exactly what God tells him to do. No, it's only on him if they don't hear him. Or, or I mean, yeah, but his like he has to deliver the message. That's the point. And if he doesn't deliver the message clearly enough, that's his fault. If he, if, But if he delivers the message clearly and they don't listen. But if the message is the world is going to end, which is what his message was, uh-huh. and it only comes true— or like he, it, he's only a real prophet if it comes true, mm-hmm. then it's like saying you have to convert these people and also you can't convert these people. Well, isn't it a little too late by Ezekiel's time? I, I mean, wasn't, know, I the, guess. wasn't the world coming to an end anyways? Well, wasn't it all already too late? In a certain way? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Didn't Adam and Eve doom us from the start? Let's finish this Jonah story. Okay. Jonah is really pissed off. Yeah. He leaves the city and he goes, uh, just flounces right out and sets up like a little, a little post. Mm-hmm. He pops some corn. Outside he the city. S- sits down and he's like, this is going to be good. And he, it says that he makes himself a shelter and sits in its shade. Mm-hmm. But then apparently that's not enough shade. He just made like a, like a three foot tall <laughs> shelter. He made a booth in my <laughs> Oh, really? Mm-hmm. A booth. Well, apparently it didn't give him enough shade. Maybe he only made half a booth. Mm. 
and a demi booth. Yeah. So then God makes this this vine grow up, and the leaves give him shade. As it, as it says, uh, the Lord God appointed a bush. Appointed a bush. Yeah, that's what happened in two thousand. If you ask me, <laughs> not to get political. R.I.P. George Bush. <laughs> <laughs> and so yes, this vine gives him shade, and then it says, uh, "This is a direct quote." And Jonah was very happy about the vine. <laughs> oh my, yes. But then the next day, the very next day. Oh, also, I, why is he? Why is he doing? He's setting up camp out here, right outside Nineveh, watching it, hoping to see it get destroyed. Yes, I think this ties into his sort of ego about his prophecy coming true. And and I guess his plan is to wait for forty days. Yeah, because he converted everybody on the first day. <laughs> well, I guess it doesn't say how long like it took the message to get to the king and how long it took to get like the sackcloth Or whether he stuck around for that necessarily. Yeah, okay. So, but he's going to wait for like probably like a couple of weeks at least. Mm-hmm. So he really needs this shade, honestly. And the next day after the vine has grown, God sends a worm and the worm kills that worm's the vine. Name? Percy. Percy. Very few people know that. Oh. They call him the worm. <laughs> where did he come from? He'll never tell. What, where does he go? He'll never tell. Uh, Jonah's stuck in the sun again. Thanks to Percy. Uh-huh. And uh, here's a direct quote. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do. He said, I am angry enough to die. <laughs> He's so dramatic and I love it. He's like that gif of like the the cat being dragged on the leash. Yes. And the cat is like totally immobile, like moving not a single muscle and is just being like dragged over hills and dales on the lawn and like Mad World is playing in the background. And God is like, yo, if you care about the life of this vine... Think about how much I care about the lives of the hundreds of thousands of people in Nineveh. Mm -hmm. The end. We don't get Jonah's response. There's like, we don't know what lesson he learned. I assume it was not recorded because Jonah was total fucking brat about it (laughs) and was like, whatever, you're not my real dad. I want to die. But. And Jonah, Jonah stayed there with no shade and died. Probably. Why not? His grave is in Nineveh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His grave is in Nineveh. Oh, my God. When we were researching this, we found out that, like, there's a traditional, like, Jonah's tomb in what used to be Nineveh, and ISIS destroyed it, like, last year. Yeah. I mean, that's too serious for the show, but oh, it's okay. Okay. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. <laughs> ISIS, I, I would classify ISIS as a problem, yeah. I agree. But anyway, he died there. Presumably in that same spot. And they Waiting. Built, they built the tomb around him. Around his desiccated, sun-bleached corpse. So why is he, like, such a big deal? It sounds like <laughs> he was, like, a piece of shit. He's in the Bible, baby. I know, but, like... <laughs> why is he a big deal? I, I mean, but... When you think of, like, all these other prophets that we've seen, yep. that, that they're, like, super holy and righteous and they... Uh, are so much better than everyone else, you know? And I, then I can think of two reasons. Okay. One, the story is compact and very narrative focused, uh-huh. meaning it's easy to retell. Yeah. 
very easy to retell. Yeah. Two, I think it has echoes of the Christ story. Yeah. So it probably gets blown up by Christians, you know, for this reason and that. Well, that's true. I guess that's true. But why is it a big deal in Judaism? I don't know. Like, it's got irony and it's got a, a person questioning God. I don't know. Seems like it's it's got it's got a little something to it. Oh, it's got it's got stuff to it. Uh-huh. I mean, I super enjoyed it. I mean, it's very narrative. Um, save that for later. Oh, you're right. Because it's about time we actually took a break. A break? And then we're going to come back and talk more about the book of Jonah. We have a very special guest, which you'll hear about in about a minute. Yeah, we're going to hear uh, Jonah from a different perspective. Okay, you're going to hear some music, and then we'll be right back. Adios. Bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to get another perspective on the book of Jonah, so we decided to call up Tespi Herwies. She is a writer and journalist based in Los Angeles, California. She's a staff writer at Good and has also written for Vice, Bitch Magazine, The Toast, BBC News, all kinds of cool places. She wrote a really beautiful essay about Benghazi for Midnight Breakfast, where I'm a senior editor. And she is here today to talk about how Jonah is uh, represented in Islam. Tespi, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. So tell us about your religious background, first of all. Um, I was born and raised in a Muslim family. Went to Sunday school, um, Muslim Sunday school for most of my life, um, up until I want to say like maybe middle school or, or maybe even a couple of years of high school. Um, and even did a couple, like a couple of years of religious reporting for my, uh, local Islamic newspaper where I wrote a column for teens about Islam. Um, so nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. it was like, like all the, it was kind of like proto, it, it, it was a prelude to a lot of what I write about now, which is like what a column would be like, should you anglicize your Islamic name? Um, or is Facebook haram forbidden in Islam? Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and I'm, I'm still, um, I, I still practice, um, I'm, I'm not as religious as I used to be, but I, I, I still, um, identify with the faith and identify as a Muslim. How do Muslims think of Jonah? How does he show up in the Quran? What uh, What's the story about him? Walk us through it. 
Well, um, just kind of going back to what I learned in Sunday school <laughs> back in the day. Of course. Well, that's that's the theme of the show, yeah. so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jonah was kind of a petulant child. He, he was given this uh, task of um, leading uh, – it's called Nineveh. Nineveh? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh-huh. He was of leading Nineveh. Nineveh in, in American English, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of, of bringing them to salvation, they were kind of, it was, um, I don't remember if there was ever any specification about what kind of sins they were into, but they were just, it was just kind of, um, at least in Sunday school, just kind of characterized to us as just general sinfulness, um, which I imagine includes drinking, uh, premarital sex, um, I don't know, drugs. I can't imagine what um, the people of Nineveh <laughs> were sinning. Or worshiping how they, idols. Worshiping cheating. idols, cheating. Um, I don't know, gambling. In VeggieTales, yeah. in VeggieTales they, they slap each other with fish. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's, that's exactly the kind of sinning I, I pictured. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, According to my Sunday school teacher, um, Jonah became very frustrated because the people of Nineveh could not get it together, um, continued to forsake God and forsake his leadership. And in a hissy fit, he left um, and boarded a boat. So um, on this boat, I believe uh, there was a storm or some kind of there was some kind of hardship that required them to throw Jonah off the boat. I can't remember what mm-hmm. it was exactly. I think that there was like the storm was his fault or God was punishing Jonah once again. And they threw him off the boat and he ended up in the whale. And in the whale, he sought the salvation of God, forgiveness, etc. And the, the whale eventually spit him out onto land and God grew a plant to, to keep him under shade. Um, and that's, that's the extent of my knowledge of the Jonah story in Islam. That's pretty close. Is yeah, it? it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any, are there any differences? Well, in the Bible version, he's, he's told to go to Nineveh, but he tries to run away on the boat and mm. go somewhere else. And then that's what, so then God sends a storm and then sends the the whale and then he prays for forgiveness from inside the whale and he gets spit out and then he goes to Nineveh um, to preach. Mm -hmm. But the reason that he has a hissy fit is because the Ninevites like were, were too repentant Mm -hmm. and he's like upset that... He's upset that none of his prophecies of doom are going to come true because the Ninevites all repented and worshipped the true God. Wow. That's a very different that's a that's a different story. Is it? I feel like it that's a very different story. Like this is this is like poor Jonah just trying to carry out his mission of of reforming the sinful Ninevites. Um, and they weren't they're not cooperating and and then he leaves because they're not respecting his authority. Well, I guess it's the same. He's just really upset about people not taking him seriously as a prophet. <laughs> I do like that in both versions, he's a petulant child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just mad. People don't take him seriously. Does the story actually show up in the in the text, like like the full story? Actually, I know there's a there's a book in the Quran named yeah. after Jonah. Yeah, there's surah surah uh, because in in Arabic his name is Yunus, um, and. Mm-hmm. 
there's there's a whole chapter in the Quran about him, um, about that story. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, the whole entire the entire story shows up, but his name is only said once, I think, in the entire um, in the entire chapter. Um, there are hadith, which are sayings of the Prophet Muhammad, um, that mention Jonah and contextualize his story a little bit. But um, I think the the enti- almost the entirety of it is told in that in that chapter. Can you tell us more about the the stuff in the hadith? Um, I believe the hadith in the hadith, uh, Prophet Muhammad praised Jonah and, and found him to be an honorable man. Um, Jonah never really, I, I, in Islam, Jonah never really uh, was successful at performing um, the Ninevites. I think they continued to um, slap fish or, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> probably disrespected their parents yeah. disrespected their parents um you know uh whatever it is and so he was he was kind of seen as this not as a as a guy who just tried to do his best and it didn't work out and but the in the in the hadith the prophet muhammad just kind of praises him um for for at least trying you know hmm. <laughs> that's interesting because it seems like it's a big, well-known story in both Judaism and Christianity, and it seems like that's also true in Islam. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I don't. I wouldn't say he's he's definitely one of the major prophets because there's uh, there's only an, a I can't I don't want to give a number, but there's only a, a finite number that that's given. There's reportedly like thousands of prophets, but we only know of those the the a couple major ones, and Jonah is one of them. Um, but he he isn't someone we talked a lot about in Sunday school. Um, hmm. the, the bigger ones we talked about the big names: Muhammad, Jesus, um, Yusuf. Right. You know those those guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know the guys. The big boys. The A team. Yeah. yeah. But I think because Jonah, um, because there was only one chapter dedicated to him, and 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 in that chapter his name was only said once. Um, and probably because he wasn't really good at profiting, apparently, uh, <laughs> that we just didn't hear much about him. Um, I mean, so in the Bible, it's it's a really short book. Yeah. It's like two pages. And it's weird because so he he throws his hissy fit and then God is like, yo, can you like grow up? <laughs> and then and then the book ends. And like he never learns his lesson or anything. It's just it just ends right there with God being like, um, you know, I I want all the people in Nineveh to worship me too, and I care about them too. Yeah. The end. And Jonah never responds. Yeah. Um, Interesting. No, I don't know. I think there's I think there there's kind of a theme of like prophets wanting to be worshipped and not um, and to divert the attention from God Himself, like in in the Quran, like. Like Satan. Oh, is there? Yeah, like Satan. Satan in in Quran in the Quran was a was an angel who didn't want to who wanted to be worshipped and didn't want to um uh didn't want to respect the authority of Adam and so that's how he became Satan. <laughs> Interesting. So Jonah's like our Jonah. Jonah just wasn't cool enough to be the devil. You know, he just like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he like tried, I see. but that's a really interesting way to look at it. <laughs> he was voted not cool enough to be the devil. Not cool enough. But Muhammad still, but Muhammad still said he was like a holy man and it's good that he tried. 
Yeah, yeah, he's still a respected um, prophet. All the prophets were were who were better men than. Um, sorry, I should say messenger. So Muhammad was a prophet. Jonah was a messenger. I see. Um, and I see. all the messengers that were chosen were 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 better men, but not but were still flawed. Um, and that, and I think that's kind of another lesson from the story of Jonah, which is that even though he was a better man, he was still a flawed human being, and that was a way to kind of um, to to distinguish him from God and to distinguish distinguish him from from a God and like it, to talk about his his human flaws, even though he was pretty good as far as humans go. Right. Like he's chosen by God, uh, but, the, you know, as far as how the hissy fit story functions, it functions to kind of say, he's still human. He's not, he, he, he doesn't have the, the extreme mercy or the extreme um, um, power compassion. of God or compassion of God. Yeah. Um, and so, and probably that was a lesson to Jonah himself as well. Uh, a lesson that he, he was. He's been endowed with this duty um, by God, and therefore, he sh- he needs to carry it out. Um, but that he's he's gonna it's gonna be difficult because he isn't, you know, a divine Perfect. being. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's that's like I think really close to the the Jewish and the Christian interpretations of the story. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not like a hundred percent overlapping, <laughs> but it's it's pretty close. As the text reads in the in the Bible in the Old Testament, it's very much a story about somebody coming into conflict with their like God given mission, and because of their human flaws, yeah, yeah, because of fear or because of ego. I mean, those are the two driving factors in it. And it's definitely a story. I mean, you could definitely interpret it, and it has been interpreted widely as like you are a person in the world, and you need to do your mission even though you're flawed, just like Jonah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. And it has all these same these same details, like it's Nineveh, it's being swallowed by a fish, the, <laughs> the uh, plant that grows up to give him shade. Like mm-hmm. it's really interesting that this story survived so intact through so many different traditions over so many centuries. That's true. And it's probably got elements of older stories in it too. Yeah, probably. Like... There are people that draw comparisons with other flood stories about Jonah surviving in the belly of a whale, like Gilgamesh, I think, survives in a big fish. Oh, oh really? And Of course, Pinocchio. Of course, Pinocchio. <laughs> that seminal religious story yeah. about an old man who wants to fuck a doll. <laughs> um, and I gather that there is a tradition of like old stories about uh, plants growing to shade people. Mm. That's, really? that's like a Persian tradition mm-hmm. from the from the notes in my Bible. Huh. That there are a lot of stories like that. I feel I feel it feels like a familiar story outside of the Jonah story. A plant growing or Yeah, a plant growing to shade people. Oh my god, I've never heard of that in any other story. Huh. Anyway, we were talking about how it's it's kind of odd that this thing, this short story that in its in its biblical form at least is feels almost unfinished. The way that like God asks him a question and we never see the answer. We never see what Jonah learns from his mistakes, essentially, and the fact that God gives him another chance. That it has been, you know, like dramatized so many times that people, everybody knows the story. It's so easy to retell. Mm-hmm. 
Do does um does it in the Bible talk about the Ninevites post um post whale? Like are they are they ever reformed after the whale? They do. They yeah, reform they reform completely. They reform in like one day. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's why that's why he's mad because he he's like, Well, I told them that their city was going to be destroyed in 40 days and <laughs> now my prophecy isn't going to come true so I'm going to go pout about it under a leaf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that in the Islamic version he makes that prophecy. Well, that's what all the prophets do in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> they just every single prophecy and they're is like your city is going to get destroyed in 40 literally, days. Literally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Also your country and also the world. Yeah. That's that's the main thing that prophets do in the Bible. Look, they're not wrong. It was just it just took a little longer. It's true, yeah. That is literally an explanation in the in the Bible sometimes. <laughs> like, he didn't know at the time, but later on it would be revealed that he was right. Oh man. So yeah, I'm I'm glad we could uh we could learn about Jonah and his tantrums Mm -hmm. and what they mean to all the religions of the world (laughs) what a tantrum it's it it doesn't um there's like no explanation in the quran about how he survives like the whale's like stomach acids yeah i don't think they knew about stomach acid back then does it even does it even explain whether he gets shot out the blowhole or comes out the mouth (laughs) i think he gets spit out it says he got vomited yeah i think he gets spit out he got vomited I hope he got spit out because it seems like it would be painful to go out the blowhole. <laughs> but more dramatic. <laughs> I mean, it's not a whale in the Bible either. It's a fish. It doesn't have a blowhole. Oh, right. Well, it's a, it's a, I mean, but do we trust them to get their taxonomical designations right? No, I don't trust them on anything, actually. Right. Do we, do we, are, is that just an assumption we make that it's a whale? It doesn't, I just, I just realized it doesn't say whale in the Quran either. Yeah, it doesn't say whale in the, in the Hebrew. It yeah, says, no. It says big fish. It just says big fish. Big fish. And in the Quran also, um, or I think he's referenced as companion of the fish or of the fish. Um, so he was like friendly. He was like friendly with the fish, you know? Really? Yeah, yeah. which makes it all the more tragic that one of them decided to eat him. That's true. It's it's always the worst when the people closest to you turn against you. Yeah. Or the fish in this case. Yeah. You really can't trust even your best friends. That's true. Now that's drama. Okay. <laughs> I, I take it back. It's a great story, actually. Now that I the more that I think of it. Well, all right, Tesby, thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at T H E R W E E S. That's your first initial and last name. Yes. And they can also find your writing at good. Mm-hmm. Um, good dot is. That's right. Is that the, uh, yeah, that's our, that's our, uh, URL. And, uh, anything else you want to plug? No, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and, uh, we will see you on Twitter. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So there's only one thing left to do. And it's the time warp, right? That No. Okay. It's the electric boogaloo. Uh-oh. I don't think that's an actual dance. <laughs> what? Oh, the electric slide is a dance. Electric slide is a dance. Fuck. Electric boogaloo is just a subtitle to the second greatest film of all time. <laughs> yeah. 
um, and should be the subtitle to to all movie sequels. Um, in any case, what we're really going to do is write this book. How would you rate this book, my dear? I think I am going to give it four out of five vine-eating worms. Okay. Insolent worms. I got to say, I started off like, this book is weird. Why mm-hmm. is he such a brat? Mm-hmm. Why does it end too early? What What am I supposed to take from this? Mm-hmm. But after after talking about it and um after hearing about how it is in the Quran mm-hmm. and of course after watching the cinematic triumph uh VeggieTales version I kind of have a greater appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. I I feel it's really kind of like literary of this this flawed protagonist um and it's all like narrative mm-hmm. it's there's not a whole lot of like you know Poems about the walls of Damascus crumbling or sure, whatever. Sure, um, It's like it's a story about someone who makes mistakes uh, but still has to keep going with their life. And I appreciate that. It's a good point. It's a good point. I'm going to give it two out of three central Pennsylvanias. <laughs> okay. How come? Uh, for a lot of the same reasons that you do, it really has – in, in the time that we've spent just like talking about it and, and thinking about it, it has improved over the original reading, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good sign, I guess. But at the same time, it's kind of unfinished, right? I mean, like the the story is very strangely put together. It is. But I think I've kind of come around to liking that. Okay. I think I've kind of come around to liking that the last word is God. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I care about everyone. And... Who cares what Jonah says to that? Mm-hmm. Because he's so flawed and it doesn't matter. What matters is that God cares about everybody. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'm not going to change my rating because that would be, frankly, dishonest. That would be fraud, yeah. I agree. But overall, pretty positive about it. Yeah. Pretty positive yeah. about it. I like this. And I also, I also just really liked that he was like, oh, I just want to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then God's like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to die. <laughs> Anyway, that's what we give the book. Posy vibes mm-hmm. toward Jonah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have some posy vibes from our listeners that we wanted to share with y'all. That's right. Um, sometimes people leave us iTunes reviews. It's a very kind thing to do that helps other people find the show. Uh, and so we're very grateful. And we wanted to read out some messages that we got from uh, from some listeners. Yes. Uh, like uh, Leo Panagiotopoulos, who gave us five out of five tomatoes for some reason. Mm-hmm. Jared Parker gave us 13 out of 12 problematic textual inconsistencies. Uh, Lisbian11111, who has the possibly best username of all time, gave us 20 out of 20 battlefield abortions. R. Harriso gave us one out of one motivated listeners. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> uh Flave with the with the L is a numeral one, gave us nine out of nine fiery furnaces and uh, said, it's crazy, but I've learned way more about the Bible from Lauren and Nico than I ever did in the years I went to church as a kid. Is that weird? They're weirdos. So probably. <laughs> well, you're a weirdo too, Flave, and we're all weirdos together and we love you. <laughs> Welcome to our weird family. Five out of five baby Moseses in the reeds is what was given to us by a user named a might hunter before the Lord. One Nimrod? Who, one who, no. It's Nimrod very, himself? No, 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 no. It's missing a Y. It's a might 
Hunter Before the Lord. Nimrod 2? Uh, banana. Oh, no, it's not banana. It's just Banna. Banna 433 uh, <laughs> gave us five stars and uh, said, now cursing cats. And also gave a shout out to our uh, Artemisia Gentileschi episodes, which I appreciate. And the user named Oyster Preserve gave us five out of five dirty fig boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much uh, for those reviews. If we get 100 reviews, Nico will <laughs> join Twitter. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a crueler and crueler fate every time I announce it. Um, but we're up to like 35 or something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. So, you know, we're making progress. Uh, we do also have one uh, listener mail to read from our listener, Fran, who says, Hey, just wanted to tell you guys how much I love the podcast. You not only teach me some fun Bible things, but remind me we're all on our own spiritual journey. I wanted to share some literal Bible children's illustrations a friend found. The link is below, but I attached my favorite one with the greatest depiction of She Bears ever. If you are a non-Bibler, thank you for making my Sundays great. Thank you, Fran, uh, for sending us a picture of uh, Elisha summoning two bears Mm -hmm. to uh, kill all the children that made fun of him. And in this illustration, the bears are like uh, husky gay men. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a gory pile of dead children. And uh, the page is titled, Tore Those Boys to Pieces. <laughs> See, that's what we're talking about, people. This is a text that's for everyone. It's for everyone. Yeah, anyone can read it and come up with their own. It's so rich. There's so many interpretations. Mm-hmm. Tore those boys to pieces. <laughs> that will do it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it very much. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. Um, we want to thank Elise Carlton for our logo, as always, and thank Nico for his musical talents, sound engineering talents, and uh, producing talents and editing talents and all the talents. You're welcome. You can find us on Facebook by looking for Sunday School Dropouts or going to the URL Sunschool Drop. And uh, you can find our website at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Feel free to send us email at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. As always, if you want us to curse your cat, we need to evaluate it very carefully. So please send a photo of the cat and a description of why you think you should be cursed. Also, we'll bless your dog. Uh, We will bless your dog. Again, we need a photo to accurately uh, determine the correct type and amount of blessing to provide. We're professionals, okay? Um, And you can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille spells it. We'll be back next week with more Sunday School Dropouts. I hope you enjoyed yourself. My name is Nico. I'm Lauren. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.